I'm ultra marathon pumped about this week's podcast. And I know that sounds funny, but I've got Dr. Kai Bretz on. He has some pretty cool stats we're going to talk about when it comes to running ultra marathons. But the big thing is he's written a book, Turning Right and Spy the Magic, and he's going to share some um, leadership thoughts with us. How are you, mate? I'm really well. Thanks for having me, Greg. Mate, exciting. What type of things are we going to talk about today? Well, we could talk about the book, but um, I think even more important is talking about the listener and see uh, what they can get out of it. Because I think the main theme of the book is really to not play small and uh, and find a gear which all shifts us one level up. Who doesn't love hearing that? Let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent or manage any injury, disease or other health-related condition. <laughs> Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And with me today is Kai. Kai has a claim of being, you ready? Champion ultra marathon runner of the fastest ever 24-hour world championship. Is that correct, mate? Have I got that right? That sounds, uh, it sounds pretty uh, pretty spot on. I've got a couple of questions that come to mind straight away. Firstly, without wanting to be a world champion at that level, what makes you want to run for 24 hours? (laughs) I did 5Ks um, this morning just between you and me and I fought my head the whole time. Yes, uh, it's probably the same reason why I started doing that, is seeing how could I overcome that fighting off the hit. And yes. Just, uh, just uh, you won't believe it, but there are blissful moments in 24 hours of just running and not doing anything else when you stop the fighting. To compete at the World Championship, is there a big qualifying process here or are the numbers thin and it's like, I'm in, give me a go? Like, how does it work? Well, I wish it was uh, that way, but uh, it is very competitive here in Australia to get in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that is the case because a few years back the Australian national team got a silver medal uh, as a team at the World Championships so okay. it's a really good team so uh, basically you need an A qualifier and if you think of all the other sports there are always A qualifiers and B qualifiers and an A qualifier for a 24 hour World Championship is 240 kilometers within the 24 hours so to wow. translate that you have to run six minutes per kilometer for 24 hours nonstop. That's what you have to do. I didn't even run sixes this morning for five. I'm embarrassed. Honestly, let's be honest. Let's talk about this. Did you have a massive support team leading into that? Did you have incredible nutritional support? Do you, do you have, oh, I'd want a physio traveling with me if I was doing those type of kilometers, but what did you have? What what keeps you on the road to get to that level? Uh, it's it's You are actually spot on. It's everything. It also includes, obviously, physical training, but that is, it's almost the hygiene parts, the part which you have to do, but it's not the part which really distinguishes how well you are going. So uh, yes, getting the nutrition right. Uh, luckily, I found a team uh, years back and they somehow sorted out for me what works with my body. And just to, as you say, to stomach food for 24 hours, Absolutely. is um, you need to train your gut uh, to do that. Then uh, physio and massage, absolutely crucial to to get those, those aches and pains uh, on top of them before you get into any injury probably the biggest thing is the mental part mm-hmm. it's really where does the head go and you said it's so easy to fight and to somehow uh, to just go into that disaster uh, spiral downwards and how do you avoid that because it will come up in 24 hours um, typically those races start sometime in the morning like between 9 a.m and, and noon and then you have to run until next 9 a.m or noon which means those hours in the blackest of night like 2 a.m 3 a.m 
they are they can be really really disastrous yeah i can imagine i can imagine so can we just step back to the food a bit that interests me you're running sixes how are you, so what are you actually running are you stopping to eat or are you 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 continuing to maintain pace while you consume calories or what what are you doing during the 24 hours yeah so to put it in perspective in the world championships i ran uh 259 kilometers so close to wow. 260 so i was running just uh, just a bit slower than 530s per kilometer and probably what i was doing was very close to five minute pace of running yeah. uh did that for roughly 1.4 kilometers and then every uh, every lap so what every one and a half kilometers i had 100 meters of walking yeah. and i did that religiously Okay. Because um, it's just easier on the body and it's that kind of getting the heart rate slightly down and it allows to either drink something or to eat something. And I was, uh, it is an eating contest. So yeah. it's really, it's a well, well catered um, hike in those hundred meters where, I mean, it ranges from eating bananas is easy, dip, mashed potatoes is relatively easy to stomach. You can put some salt into it. Is anything with carbs, which is easy to swallow? I like, um, I actually liked uh, eating salted chips. Yeah. Just, um, just for that salt as well to not cram. And it's, it's whatever you can stomach. I mean, um, it's just constantly every, every ten minutes I'm eating something. It's just small quantities while I'm walking. Most people wouldn't even fathom that, like the idea of having to run run at that speed stop and eat something like it's the last thing you feel like when you when you're running so from, from that mental perspective and and um, resetting yourself and aligning yourself how do you take yourself from being an everyday human and we'll talk about you we'll talk about i'll let you talk about your by yourself in a second actually how do you go from being that person to someone who's now got to look at i'm running 24 hours and i've got my game plan on so are you running up to a table and going i don't want them today i want this or i'm this or you know what the first meal is the second meal the third how much planning goes into for someone who's never going to do it i'm just interested for a mate yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for for that hypothetical mate it, it helps having a good plan but then you also need to know that the plan will be thrown overboard relatively quickly yeah it's um so it comes back to that support team and in my case it was particularly my my partner rebecca who supported me um in every of my 24-hour runs so it's it's quite a, a strain as well on um just asking people to to be there for 24 hours and give up their night and just yep. support she obviously knows me pretty well and we have a plan of saying this this is roughly what i want to eat at what stages and then we have the agreement of she just says this is what you're eating so really decisiveness that's what i need as a runner is somebody being decisive this is what i'm eating yeah and unless I have a strong reaction to it and say, no, I don't want that. I want X instead. Um, That's what I'm getting. And I'm pretty good at just taking what I'm told to do in those moments. Probably like 18 hours in, it shifts a little bit. And it's also a good indicator for my support crew of where am I at mentally? Like, um, like how much whinging is there? And, uh, and, and like, can I just take whatever is given? Is it a gel this time? Is it, do I get a, a cup of soup? What do I get? And sometimes I just really have a wish and I know if I get something sweet, for example, that might lift my spirits. Yeah. Okay. And before I jump into the um, evolution of how you got to 24, talking about the evolution of getting to be- become a 24-hour marathoner, were you were you a, a, a great runner in other disciplines or did you just go, oh, I'm just going to run for 24 hours? Like, how, how did you get to where you're at? How I got there, probably I need to dig a little bit into the history there. So I was very much the weekend warrior. So in the corporate world, working uh, Monday to Friday, um, pretty a pretty senior position. So that kind of weekend warrior 
uh, running marathons, two a year, three a year, whatever, whatever really fitted in, chasing another personal best. So a lot of achievement focus there as well. And at some stage, the well, it was pretty pretty obvious. Uh, some of what happened was I, I I just wasn't inspired by it anymore. It was just just achieving another personal best, and it got nine seconds here and forty seconds there, and then you somehow you don't you I didn't manage to get a personal best, and then it's like the end of the world. So I was just sick of it. It's it wasn't worth some putting all that effort in. Mm. And to put it in perspective, um, when I started marathon running, I was very much middle of the pack. So my very first marathon, um, probably twenty odd years ago, was four hours fifteen. That is, it's an okay time, but it's it's far from world class. It's double, more than double of the the time of a yeah. world record. So it's it's an okay time, and I worked my way over the years to uh, running a 2:44 marathon, which is decent, but still it's far from world class. And then I just I just stepped up, uh, and that's probably the story of turning right how I got there. Um, I I just noticed I needed something completely new, and that was. I signed up for a 250 kilometer race in Queensland in the desert. Okay. And I just said I need something completely out of my comfort zone. Get me out of my rut. See what is possible. And I had no clue how would I ever run 250 kilometers if on sand through the Simpson Desert wow. in the middle of nowhere. Like how would I do that if the maximum which I'd ever done was a city marathon on bitumen in very measured conditions where everything was predictable uh, in a city not to mention um safer <laughs> and safer yeah right. let's and, not and, and and that was how i got into into uh, long distance running um and then I, I I did the, so ultra marathons for the ones who don't know what that exactly means. It's it's anything longer than a marathon. Yeah. So a fifty kilometer race, for example, is a is a typical entry point. I went straight to a multi stage two hundred fifty kilometer race. Kilometers. And then I did a hundred kilometer race in one go. And then uh, twenty four hours just happened. And to um, the, the twenty four hours, the first one I did uh, to make it even worse, it was around a four hundred meter athletics track. So I. I just um, for 24 hours, I was never further away from some of my support crew than probably 100 meters away yeah. because, I mean, how, how far can you get on the, on the <laughs> four-meter track? Wow. Yeah. And preparing yourself for the desert run, is there is there a whole lot of rules and regulations that you have to pass to do that? Or do you have to have a certain structure of team? And Because I assume that um, they don't have people holding hands for the distance to make sure that you're safe and there's not a whole lot of people that have walked out of their houses to watch the runners go past. Correct. So obviously there is, there, there is a lot of ownership you have to take. I mean, okay. for your own safety. And your, uh, so in a way, you sign your life away in a way. Yep. And you need to be very comfortable that uh, you're capable of, uh, of, of running. Now, to keep you safe, um, probably GPS beacons are, are really the, the, the best measure you somehow have so you you don't want to get lost in the desert and nobody finds you they at the race i was doing uh the race director had a helicopter so they were somewhere never far away from wherever you were there's also a lot of course marking so you don't really get off track you still have maps so there is lots of uh there are lots of measures in place to keep it safe which is very important mm. uh and that's true for for any of those trail ultra marathons, um, which I've done since. So the longest one I've done was through WA in, in summer, 350 kilometers in one go. And it was very wow. similar where you have snakes around you and uh, it's it's even if anything happened, which luckily 
nothing did. It's you're never far away from anybody and you have all the kind of measures in place to mitigate whatever happens. And are you running with nutrition or are you running to nutrition in those scenarios? So in uh, it's both. So you, uh, that's another measure. You always have um, mandatory gear. Mm-hmm. So you're running with a backpack and you have some mandatory gear in there from from like yeah safety vest at night or and obviously also stuff to eat stuff to eat and to drink. So I typically would carry two to four liters of water and then you do get to checkpoints where you can refill and uh, and pick up new nutrition as well and depending on the distance. I won't harp too much since so I find it amazing. I love talking to athletes about this sport. Is do you have to pass medicals when you finish before you're allowed to leave, or is it pretty much over the line? Grab your medal, thanks heaps, and off you go. Um, so pretty pretty much the medicals would always so in 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 every race rule you pretty much have uh, the medical has the right to pull you out of the race. Mm-hmm. That that is part of it. So if they deem you not to be fit to to continue and in summer um, it's dangerous they can pull you out and I think that's the right thing and then therefore they have an eye on you this never happened that has never happened to me of a medical pulling me out uh, you can always approach medicals if you need them and otherwise it is really a self-ownership model where do the right thing you have some of support crew which also some of flags when there are issues and yes there has been a race for example when medically I was deemed to be fit so the things they measured was they were okay but I knew that I wasn't in the right shape to go through the conditions which we were facing and uh, that was the one and only time where I pulled out of a race because I and my support group we just knew uh, there was a 50-50 chance that's what we the value we put on that uh, 50-50 chance to to actually break down in the middle of the race and that is that's not worth it in the end it's still it needs to be fun it's I'm, I'm not earning money through this and health is more important than some sort of glory um, and stupidity. (laughs) I love that. And you you mentioned a second ago that getting up and doing what you need to do to do these races was one of the turning points towards your your book. You're an author, for those people who don't know, the book's Turning Right, Inspire the Magic. Do you want to let us in on a little bit of a little bit of background about the book like a, a mate of mine Luke Mathers has read your book and he's a he's a mad avid reader he loves speakers he's a, he's all about motivational people and he just said Greg you've got to talk to this guy he's just next level and one of the things that he said to me when talking about your book was it's really it's got a lot to do with people who are looking to get off the hamster wheel is that is that correct in me saying that type of thing so what do you mean by that like turning right inspire the magic that's a that's an interesting topic yeah so okay so this is the picture. As, as you hear from my accent, uh, I'm not originally Australian. So my background is German. Lots of people might have thought I'm South African, but coming from Germany. So picture picture a typical German in your own stereotypes, and you're probably spot on of who I was at the beginning of this journey. So very measured, very disciplined, very um, probably also very stubborn, and doing so running one marathon after the other, really chasing chasing my own tail and just doing what it took. And I was, that law of diminishing diminishing return, that was kicking in. So I couldn't really see where where am I going next. And a mentor of mine, he somehow saw from the outside of what somehow that kind of, what got me there would not get me any further. He could see that, but also like a good mentor and a good coach, he couldn't tell me that. And I wouldn't have listened to him anyway, because (laughs) what do you mean? I mean, I'm, he he said once, he tried, he said, Kai, your problem is you're too structured. And, And my reaction was pretty much no, go away. It's structure is my life. Yep. 
And so what he did was he prescribed me one run a week and he called that a mystery run. And what he meant by that, he invented, by the way, that kind of term. <laughs> what he meant by it was I had to let go of any control for that one run a week. So a friend of mine who was uh, very competitive and a really good short and middle distance runner would take control of the run. And all I had to do was to follow whatever he was doing without knowing at any point in time how fast we were going to run, for how long we were going to run for, what was going to happen ah, next. Ah, running for the love of running. Running for the love of running and completely relinquishing control. Control, no control at all, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So in my head, the first question was, when is it fair to give up? And that sums up the mindset I was in. It was this kind of, yeah, I'm disciplined, but when is it fair to give up? Because Did that kick in earlier with you under that scenario versus your traditional structured scenario? Yeah, it would. I mean, I would always limit myself by my own expectations of what rationally made sense I would pursue. And then if I thought, well, that's not doable, it's it's that kind of motivation not to fail. That was, I was driven by that. It's, yeah, it sounded like glory. It sounded like success, but actually it was avoiding failure. That's what my life was all about. And I was hiding it very well. Even I couldn't see that. So. And so that was that was some of the premise to um, to the first mystery run of just um, we're going for a run and Corey, this friend of mine, sooner or later he would break me and I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Is that right? So what happened was Corey was obviously he was thriving upon his power <laughs> over me, saying, "Oh, mate, I'm going to make you suffer." And he picked me up from from my house in in Albert Park in Melbourne, and uh, we walked through the front door. And through the garden gate, and Corey turned right. So I obviously had to turn right as well. Yeah. And we hadn't even run a single meter. And that was a huge aha moment for me because never ever had I in my life turned right at my garden you gate. Turned left and run from there. Um it was unbelievable. Every, it was Groundhog Day every single day. So I was like, uh, every day I went for a run, every day I would get out, turn left. And it was just experiencing that there is something to the right and just noticing what Corey was doing to me. It was, uh, I, I could feel and sense that I was expecting to keep doing the same thing and getting a different result. It was really that experience. Yep. And uh, turning right, so you say, well, obviously directly my intellect also kicked in and saying, well, does it matter to turn right? Because whether I turn right or turn left, I will not be a better runner. And I have to say, that's what the book is all about. I couldn't be more wrong. It's obvious, and it's not about running. It's about It's about doing something different to our default and then seeing what kind of magic unfolds from there. Because really to lift ourselves to another level, we have to let go of something. And in my case, I had to let go of some discipline. And I had to let go in running of some discipline because I didn't let any innovation come in. I didn't let any kind of my my expectations were all limited by, by my intellect of saying, well, I can run another five second PB. Well, what if I just run and see what happens? And that's what happened in the, in when I then figuratively turned right. So instead of running marathons, I said, I'm signing up for a 250K race. That was a massive right turn just wow. to practice what will happen. And obviously, I didn't know what would happen. I didn't have a target. I didn't have really a big plan because I didn't know what would happen. And the magic which unfolded from that race was I participated and and I improved the race record by more than five hours. Wow. Boom. Wow. Boom. Wow. Yeah. 
Hey team, it's Greg from Body Science here. The Hydroxyburn Shred is back on shelf. It's our new therapeutic, has all the taste. And if you're looking for a better thermogenic, we've really pushed for the pursuit of a better thermogenic. Full disclosure on the labeling. What do we mean? Caffeine levels have changed. We all know the rules have changed. The ingredients have changed. The claims have changed. We have a clean label with premium quality ingredients for you. So what does that mean for you? You can look at things like metabolism energy, sugar metabolism, fat metabolism, cognitive function, thyroid, and just general health and well-being. And it's all on the label. If you're taking a fat burner now and it doesn't say it on the label, have a look at it and go, why? Get on board. Well, magic and miracles is like what you're talking about here is it, it inspires me as a as someone in business. What does the corporate world think about your book when you talk about it? So interestingly, I think this very week, I had multiple conversations uh, all around people, someone being surprised saying, oh, this is actually not a running book. And I couldn't agree more yep. because it isn't a running book. There is running has just been the vehicle where I've found a lot of personal growth. But some of the kind of that experience of letting go of stuff which doesn't serve us anymore is really that's crucial in business and um, where it translates into business and probably where where any leaders of any any um, kind get most benefit is that kind of how do we how do we actually find something magical in what we do? Um, that sounds airy-fairy, but then always link it back to some kind of clear achievement. So what is what is your five hours of improvement? Like in your world, what is it and what do you have to do? Like when I was uh, still in the corporate world, uh, a leader at um, at one of the big supermarkets, the first right turn I did at, at work was to, I was very prepared, which is great, but I was never letting any, giving any room in meetings to, for, for anything else to come up other than what I was planning for. So uh, I never was me. really listening. Yeah. That was a right turn for me. Now, I don't know what is the right turn for others, but the people I work with, because now I'm, a, I'm an executive coach and help businesses thrive in their world, is uh, they notice, well, they might be too domineering. They might be actually too arrogant and say, well, we've got all the answers and we don't need to listen to anybody else. It, it, there can be lots of lots of things, lots of reactive patterns, but all of them have in common that they are very helpful. They get us pretty far in life and then they hold us back from getting to the next level i love it so turning right inspire the magic where can we get your book wherever you get books from you can go online and you find it at big uh, online well at, at online retailers yep. if you're not in lockdown and your bookshops are open go and get it so for example a dimmix has it uh, any other bookstore can get my book as well yep. And uh, probably for quite many, it would be interesting to know that um, I've got an audio book as well. Nice. And um, so you can just listen uh, to my voice and let me tell you the story. I love it. I love it. So where are you most social these days? Are you uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? Where are you playing? All three of them. Probably most active at the moment uh, on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, but I'm on, on all three of them. So is your, for those people that we have a big social media following here in the Instagram space. So your Kai Brett's turning right, but it's actually spelled K-A-Y, not K-Y or K-Y-E. So it's K-A-Y-B-R-E-T-Z, turning right. If I jump on that page, am I seeing running pictures? Am I seeing motivational quotes? What, what's there? So you will find quite a lot from running. You will yep. find quite a lot about the book as well. Yep. And uh, you will find whatever whatever is um, is really yeah, moving in my world. So the, the, yes, there will also be 
um, more stuff coming once uh, here in Melbourne we can actually do face-to-face workshops and that stuff which is at the moment a little bit um, constricted obviously through through our lockdown. Look I'm in marketing people know that who who listen to this have you considered doing an ultra marathon in your kitchen? (laughs) I wouldn't say no to it but (laughs) The first question which comes up for me is why, <laughs> and um, and I say not because I mean it, it's a, it, anything which is a challenge. I mean, yeah, um, I love that. But after having run, uh, I don't know, five hundred thirty-one laps around an oval, which took quite a lot of mental preparation. Yeah, just running around the kitchen, it's not that different. So yeah, the why is not yet clear to me there. Okay, we need to turn right on that one then. <laughs> How many pairs of shoes a year you roll through? Pretty much, I'm going. A pair of shoes lasts like 600 to 1,000 kilometers for me, and I run um, six to 8,000 kilometers a year. So I get 10 pairs of shoes, roughly. Oh, that's not too bad. I thought it was going to be a lot more than that, to be honest. So for anyone out there, Kai, who's looking to get into long distance running because they're looking to find their magic like you have, uh, is it a sport you recommend to people or is it something that you try and dig deep to something more personal? Um, I think, so anybody who isn't a runner, I would never try to convert anybody there. Yeah. So it's it's really, if it, if it doesn't float to your boat, I wouldn't start with long distance running because um, it's, it's it might be a bridge too far but if you like running if you like somehow 10 kilometers potentially even marathons and you're the type of person who finds some kind of meaning in pushing yourself uh further or or running through areas you've never run through so like i mean it took me to the simpson desert i ran a race uh, in china which china which was absolutely stunning uh, world championships i never thought that i would make it to world championships uh, or through uh, just the trails of uh, yeah of western australia it's there is quite a lot of just exciting stuff so if if you like that kind of adventure, give it a go. Nice, nice. And mate, for those um, budding book authors out there, was was it difficult to write your book? Like the process, not the actual paragraph by paragraph, but the whole con- like a lot. Everyone I talk to wants to write a book. Like it, they don't say it out loud, but you can tell people would like to give their story. Did you find it a difficult process to start? Yes and no. So yes, it was difficult because uh, first of all, I'm not a native English speaker, and mm. then I'm not an author in a way. I, I've never written a book other than my thesis, okay. and the thesis is very different from this kind of book. So you won't find any concepts in this book. It's really it's really a story. And it took me three, three and a half years to write it. So yes, I did it uh, lots of weekends and then uh, some some focus time. It's um, what I found most difficult was I had no vulnerability at all at the beginning. So I was I was telling a glory story. And I was surprised reading that glory story that it didn't really excite me. It was like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. Really That's the best line I've ever heard. That's awesome. Yeah. And it didn't really resonate with a few people who I gave a chapter here and a chapter there where I somehow it didn't it didn't excite them and then and that that's probably after big red run uh, the co- story continued with a race which was a complete disaster and when that happened the first thing in my mind was well the book is dead it's like I've failed I can't I can't talk about that so life is over here in terms of uh, um, in terms of the book and for me it was. So writing the book was for my personal growth quite a quite a journey of just yeah accepting that I'm not a superhero and that there is way more richness in the failures and in the difficult times than in uh, talking about any of that success. So 
that that took me a while. And what I uh, what I now find uh, very exciting, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, my book was awarded uh, its first prize. So yeah, nice. uh, in a comp- well in a book award in the US, um, I won the silver medal for best memoir written by male. That's great news. That's awesome. Love seeing, hearing you. our little uh, Aussie authors having success around the world. That's that's something to be very proud of. How did you go publishing a book in the US from Australia when you can't travel? So in a way, it's um, I've published it here in Australia and New Zealand. So mm-hmm. that's where you would find it in physical bookstores yep. uh, in these two countries. And then elsewhere in the world, you can get it through Amazon and the likes, and they have um, they have print on demand. So basically, they print things locally, and then you get it. So I'm not in bookstores uh, anywhere else in the world. Yep. Obviously, in these, especially in these times, most of the market is online anyway. Yep. So um, yeah, very exciting and uh, very humbling to well to win in the US, which yeah, certainly is incredible. a big market in itself. Yep. So Dr. Kai Bretz, Turning Right, Inspire the Magic. Grab his book, download it where you get your favorite books from. Thanks for coming on, mate. It was great to chat. It's uh, inspirational. We didn't even really touch on you as an entrepreneur. I mean, you've you've played with Woolworths and Coles, and you've been buyers at the highest level, and, and we play in that space too. So you know, full credit where that's due. Like that's an amazing. You know, you don't get to those levels in those companies by being someone who's not driven and to see you come out the other end and changing people's lives and helping them inspire their magic is something that would get me out of bed every day and i salute you for that well done perfect thank you so much thanks for coming on board so once again turningright.com is a website jump on there i'm sure you'll find any information you want to find out